Welcome home to, to the, the Loving Consciously, Consciously Podcast. My name is Amanda. And my name is Eric. And if you are like us, nobody, nobody taught, taught you how to love. love. We are best friends and life partners here to vulnerably and authentically share our seven-year journey to unconditional love. Our mission is to help you learn how to love consciously in all of your relationships so we can journey together towards a more effective, intentional, and fulfilling way of giving and receiving love. Loving, Loving Consciously. Consciously. Together, we have overcome neurodivergence, mental health, addiction, pregnancy loss, infidelity, and grief. After six years, the lack of knowledge on how to heal or love each other through these challenges led to our separation. After us both spiritually awakening and recommitting, we built our new conscious partnership founded on unconditional love and a commitment to personal growth. Thank you for joining us as we put it all out there to show you the duality of our love's pain and beauty. And remind you that you have both the capacity to love consciously and the power to always, always choose love. Welcome back to episode two of our introduction. As always, thank you very much for joining us today. We're always happy to have you here and welcome your energy. Absolutely. And before we get started, we wanted to provide a little bit of a disclaimer. This episode is going to cover a lot of really heavy topics. And we just want to remind you all to stay in the light with us and remember that the purpose of this is to show you who we are and what we've overcome and to remind you that we do not live in these places anymore. They are a part of our story, but they are not our current reality and they don't define us. We are coming out here to be authentic and to put all of this out there to spread hope and encourage others to do the same and know that they too can overcome anything. Absolutely. And with that, let's go ahead and get started with the next three-year chunk of our journey together, moving to Oregon and leaving our home state of Arizona behind to start our new life with fresh identities. And the reality of those first six months in Oregon was incredible. We were out of school and finally had time to spend together. We, You had your first post-college architecture job, so we finally had money to go out and do things. And we were in an incredible place with a lot of things to go do. So, you know, we're away from our family. We're away from all of our triggers. We are honestly just living the dream and absolutely loving life. And this is also where our journey with ethical non-monogamy started. And we will go into this a lot later in the podcast, but kind of in summary, we had been talking about this for, and when we moved to Oregon, we decided to do that. So immediately moving here, we started a couple's dating app profile and found the community and some local places here and really started pretty heavy into that uh, E&M journey early on living in Oregon. Yeah, the first six months that we were here in Oregon was blissful, to be honest. We finally had time to spend with one another and work on building the relationship and the connection that we didn't have an opportunity to do because we were in a constant state of survival in Arizona. And so moving here, having that time, space, energy to foster another a deeper connection with one another was incredible and opening the relationship even further deepened that connection with one another because it allowed more love, more trust to be built. And even though there were some challenges and some growing pains in exploring that new type of connection, ultimately it brought so much more love 
and joy to our life. So here we are in Oregon, living the dream. We have money, we have time, we have freedom. We are exploring ethical non-monogamy together. And here comes 2020. And in the beginning of 2020, as most of you know, we were locked down. And here in Oregon, we were locked down for quite a while, longer than most places. And this is kind of really the start of the major decline in both of our mental health and in our connection and our relationship. Because being locked down forced us to face many of the things that we didn't finish healing and working on both as individuals and in our relationship. So after six months of pure bliss, we were faced with a new reality of having to sit with these aspects of our relationship that still needed to be healed. And our response to that was isolation and escapism. And with that isolation and escapism is when we really kind of started to see major changes in our relationship in the way that we spoke to each other, in the way that we interacted with each other. I became really angry and you became almost entirely shut down. Yeah, uh, I was completely isolated and on a different planet because I wasn't willing to face some of the things that I needed to work on. I relied on escapism. I relied on watching TV or being on my phone 24-7 even while I'm sitting there spending time with you. I was stuck in my depression and a lot of the mental health and behavioral aspects of who I was in Arizona versus who I was the first six months we were in Oregon started to come back. And this is when a lot of the boundary violations of both our relationship and our ethical non-monogamy journey on both sides and dishonesty on, you know, your side and frustration and anger on my side really started to boil up to the surface and become a problem. And just as everything is boiling to the surface and becoming a problem, the lockdowns end. And we are really quickly able to go back to our life of going out and escapism and avoiding a lot of the things that we didn't want to face. And so that brings us to the end of 2020. We've moved into our house and we are back at our life of going out and avoiding things and not really truly deeply doing inner work on ourselves or our relationship. So again, we see this pattern of having the unhealed aspects of our relationship bring themselves up to the surface to be worked on, and then an opportunity to start fresh presents itself, and we take it and run with it, pushing those things back down to the bottom, unworked on, and throwing ourselves into new endeavors, this new home that we're building, going out and partying again, and working again. And again, this house was just really, I remember the first time that either of us truly like felt home. And it was a joint project that we could be best friends again and be a team again and decorate our first home and do yard work. And it was just kind of another six month period of bliss of not having to address any of those problems and really enjoying this new first home of ours. 
So that brings us to 2021. And this year was our year of grief and loss and lessons. Yeah, in January of 2021, my father was killed. And I found myself going from kind of living in this really blissful, happy moment in my life to waking up to my father being in a coma with blunt force trauma. And I, you know, found myself um, making some really hard decisions. And once he did pass, taking care of an estate by myself. And it was just a really challenging time because losing a parent is it's a really unique loss and um you know I was still pretty young and um there's a lot of other circumstances around that that I'll get into in my podcast but it the essence of what I'm trying to communicate is that it was a all-encompassing and destructive loss that completely killed my soul for a little bit yeah it was a very emotionally uh, intense time and being with you during that watching you grieve and having to step into the role of of my masculine and loving and supporting you through that um, allowed for growth in an area that wasn't present in our relationship before Absolutely. I think, you know, before this happened, we had a pattern of me kind of really being in charge of things and I was not capable of taking care of myself, let alone our home and life and dogs and you. And so the, you know, task of taking care of me and everything else and yourself um, came to you. And, you know, for that first month, like, you did a really great job and I'm so grateful that you were there with me in my grief and I just remember the time that you literally carried me out of bed into the shower and spoon-fed me because I couldn't eat and I couldn't get up and get into the shower and those were the moments that I knew in the depths of my soul that you were my partner and that you had my back because that is absolutely at the time was the darkest moment of my life and you carried me through that so after my father passed away I came home I was gone for a few weeks and within a week I think of being home yeah about within a week maybe less um, I got the call that my uncle was uh, missing in Mexico and that was very challenging to hear because it was you know my uncle was one of the few people in on my side of the family that accepted our relationship and our love from the get-go and was always a prolific supporter and kind heart to our union and it was really my first experience, you know, watching you grieve your father. You know, I had a connection with him, but not to not a lifetime connection. And losing my uncle was kind of that first personal, immediate um, experience with grief. And it allowed me to experience 
kind of the duality and and in essence understand your grief better because I was experiencing that side and from your end it gave you the opportunity to step into that role yeah and I'm kind of having a massive download right now but I'm just realizing that you know while we have faced challenges in a lot of areas of our relationship we really kind of got the grief thing right in in the first half of that year and just how much we cried together and how much we screamed together and kind of just really sat in that deep pain and I'm so grateful that you know we had each other to experience that and I think really like seeing those moments and looking back on that I'm able to see how our connection always stayed and how we always stayed so committed because though we had some really deeply challenging times we really had this you know really beautiful connection yeah in the face of some of those darkest moments I remember just sitting with you and us silently holding that space for one another in our grief and sharing in that love that deep deep love and presence that comes from being conscious with your partner and so I'm grateful that we were able to experience that so early on absolutely getting back to the story and getting back on track um just as some clarity here it has been two and a half years and he has not been found they did find his car and his wallet um but he is still not with us and you know that was kind of really where we found ourselves is two months into the year we've both you know had these massive kind of ruptures and and grief journeys and it just snowballed from there right after that we had multiple deaths we had a close family friend we had a grandparent we had a friend of an overdose and the other ones were um, cancer and COVID, I believe. And so it's just kind of every time you start to think you're getting this, you know, this bearing on your grief, this, this, no matter how close you were to these people, it just, there was so much death happening in our immediate circle and also to some of the closer people to us. And it, you know, just continued throughout the summer. Which brought us to the loss of my other uncle. And that one also hit very very hard because like my other uncle he was the other member of the family that fully loved and was open and accepting of our relationship Uh, i'm so blessed that you got to meet him and we went to go visit a family down in bolivia right after we got married and you got to experience just the love and joy that uh, my uncle had and spread to everyone that he met and um, you know these experiences of grief and loss I remember the grief was so um, substantial that it was almost like what are we waking up to today what is the next rug pull that's going to happen where we're going to have to deal with some other traumatic experience and this i feel was starting to be the kind of the turning point where i was reaching my cap of what i could process in terms of grief i remember there was a night or a 
day in the kitchen where I completely just broke down at the kitchen table and you held me similarly to how I did when I held you with your father and that just meeting of love and presence was so healing and so you know as now my partner who is experiencing his you know own another major loss is struggling to you know show up in the ways that you know he was and to be honest that I needed him to at the time and the level of consciousness that I had um, we were we got pregnant and we went into this experience absolutely terrified we went into this experience looking for some joy and thinking okay the worst is behind us um you know things come in threes and this was many more than three losses but three core men in our lives three of the most core men in our lives of you know especially in our relationship my dad and tony and eugene were all very 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 supportive of eric and i and were always you know supportive from the beginning and some of the only ones who were and so they were really just these core three losses of the you know masculine figures in our life and so we go into this pregnancy it was planned and it was intentional and we had waited five years to start a family so even getting pregnant and even doing that was such a big deal and it was very planned and it was very intentional and it was very much from a place of love and of you know wanting to have a family together and so we get pregnant and the pregnancy was awful. (laughs) I had a really large ovarian cyst and that ruptured while I was pregnant and then I um, got COVID and then just before 14 weeks I had to have an emergency DNC because of the cyst and the COVID and the fever. Um, You know I was getting into a place where my choice to allow my body to naturally do this was not safe anymore for my well-being and so I spent the night before Thanksgiving alone in the hospital having that done because they wouldn't allow you in because of everything that was going on with the world at that time. And so that kind of brings us to the day before Thanksgiving. So the entire year for, you know, that whole 11 months and then obviously the physical recovery after of 2021 was just grief and loss. We don't want to take too much time to sit in that. That's not what this episode is about. That year is heavy, and we just bared that duality of that really difficult pain. And before we move on to last year, 2022, I think it would be a really cool thing to stop and save some space for some really cool messages that those people taught us and some gems that you can walk away from in their honor and memory. So I guess I'll go ahead and start. I know I've been talking a lot, but starting with my dad, Edward, he was quite the character and lived a life really large. And I never appreciated it at the time. And I never understood it until my spiritual awakening. But something he always said to me, especially in that last year or two he was alive, was perception creates reality. And that was just the kind of guy my dad was. He wasn't super emotional and, you know, his advice was very practical but very loving and fatherly. It just wasn't very emotional. And so, you know, your perception creates your reality. And when I think about 
these losses and grief, I now choose to create the perception and reality of gratitude and of love and of their energy moving on to whatever's next and that that energy is within me and around me at all times. So your perception creates your reality and you have the power to create any reality you want. Absolutely. And going on to my first uncle who passed, one thing that he would always say to us is love them anyways. And that has rung true for me and for for us in our relationship of really embodying unconditional love. And in any moment that we experience anything other than love and that we're faced with negative energies or perceptions from others, we always have the opportunity to choose love for ourselves and choose to perceive love in any situation and meet those people with love and so very grateful for that gem and i'll pass it on to you for the last one Eugene, i get to do Eugene. yay he was a man who lived and loved life to the fullest probably one of the most blissed out grateful happy people i have ever met and that is what I, while I don't have a slogan for that one to give, that was one that when I think of him, I think of loving life and just embodying childlike joy and the simplicity of it's not that serious and it's okay to stop and have one of the most joyous moments of your day at how beautiful the flowers in your garden are. And another really big part of 2021 was again that mental health really just going through that immense amount of grief and dealing with anxiety and depression, CPTSD, insomnia, all of the above. That looked like suicidal ideations on both of our parts. There was an almost suicide attempt on my part, which I talk about in my podcast. There was some self-harm behaviors on your part. And so it just was coming into 2022, we were both in a really dark place mentally we were not in a good headspace, if you will, and we were really, really struggling. And all patterns and intentions and all of these things aside, we were two very deeply sad and grieving people, very much in love, but just in a really dark place. There was a period there in the beginning of 2022 where, you know, we were really struggling to make healthy choices in our grief and to work through that grief. And that's right around when our spiritual journey kind of really got started. Our spiritual journey started with this great period of loss and suffering because it's exactly what we needed to embody something different, to let go of the past, let go of our patterns and frankly suffer enough to start looking inward and say, okay, what what am I doing that is manifesting this in my life and what can I do to start making different choices and start healing from this because what we were doing at the time wasn't working western medicine wasn't working and we just knew that there had to be something more yeah I talk about it in my podcast I think the way that I said it was I had finally suffered enough while it took us quite a while to get to a really deep healed place of what I'm about to share, this was really the start of seeing 
suffering as a gift and as a message and that even in those really challenging and difficult times I was still in control with how I was reacting to them and so a lot of 2022 was kind of just coming up and down and in and out of you know going on this spiritual journey and really kind of devolving and backsliding and something that we've kind of looked at and patterns we've talked about is this duality and this as you increase your light or your vibration as you increase your consciousness and your awareness so does the capacity for the other side of that the negative the the anger and the shame and the dishonesty to kind of start manifesting and you know it's kind of like die-offs and we say you know the ego clings on for dear life and that's what 2022 was it was a year of going in and out of you know really present working on themselves spiritual people and then going into you know the lower versions of ourselves of being back in the escapism and being back in the shame and the dishonesty and the addictions and the mental health and the toxic patterns that we were in and I think this is a really good time to kind of touch on that a little bit and I don't think that getting in the weeds of a lot of those things are helpful we will get into detail as you know this series goes on we've promised to put it all out there and I just think right now kind of high level summarizing that you know this is where our fights got really bad and specifically this is also where your addiction got really bad yeah this is where after so much grief and the baby was a turning point for me it was you know losing our child and not being able to face that grief with the amount of work i had done at the time caused me to turn to really numbing out and not feeling that emotion to turn to distractions to turn to my addiction of essentially trying to feel anything but the pain whereas you spent that time in that grief processing it alone because i had chosen to escape from it it started to cause a rift in our relationship and this is kind of where our spiritual paths started going in different directions yeah and this takes us right around to summertime and this is when things were at their peak of their worst. We had someone who entered our lives in our ethical non-monogamy journey that was a really big trigger and catalyst for a lot of the things that were going on, a lot of the dishonesties and behaviors and things that happened around your addiction at that time. And this is where my anger and my mental health just really snapped. And this is where our fights went from being, you know, these really unhealthy just arguments kind of like annoying arguments that aren't really about anything that couples like to have to like actual full-blown fights and where a lot of the patterns and ways of engaging that we plan to talk a lot about on this podcast started that looked like you know I would try to leave and disengage and at the height of that there were times where you would stand in the doorway or like physically block me or physically try to like restrain me and I would react physically it just really kind of devolved into this place of you know I'm trying to run and leave and and escape this situation because I can't cope and and I don't know how to like manage my emotions and I'm dealing with all of this grief and all of this pain and also all of this betrayal from my partner 
and you know then your in turn your abandonment issues and everything is being triggered it just really just got really cyclical and you know it's a it's a time in our relationship it's a time that we choose to look on with love and forgiveness towards both of us for a lot of the things that we did and there is no right or wrong there is no victim or bad guy we both had horribly atrocious violations of boundaries in multiple different ways and that's the reality of that and we choose to not live in that place anymore and I choose forgiveness and love for you and me because you are me and I can see us for the consciousness that we were and the pain that we were and that is not who we are and so my message as I come forward and say this message is to everyone out there that is not who you are and you can choose at any moment to make a different choice to own your mistakes and to change your behavior and we as a society need to get to a place where we start allowing forgiveness and allowing change and allowing people to say hey I was a you know dishonest disloyal unpresent Um, boundary violating person or hey I was this angry mean you know sometimes physically aggressive person and that is not who I am and so it really takes radical forgiveness and radical love and it's a journey it's you know not linear growth is not linear but that is my message is a message of love and forgiveness and I choose to hold those people in my heart likewise grow slow absolutely grow slow and this pattern that we've had the wonderful opportunity to experience in such a short time frame of this traumatic year and then how that manifested in our relationship and how we interacted with one another and then the awareness and the presence to realize okay this is what's going on you know we ran around the patterns a few times Each time we did, it got progressively worse and worse and worse because we weren't learning the lesson. We finally got to a point where the suffering was great enough to cause us to want to change. And this kind of brings us to November of last year, which is when everything kind of came to a head. And I distinctly remember for me, and you've shared, you remember it for you, but I distinctly remember kind of really asking for and wanting all of this gunk to be dredged up so that it could be worked through because at this point you know my spiritual path is getting pretty strong and the growth is happening explosively and you were really kind of struggling and being stagnant and we were starting to get to a place where we were both like we had multiple nights crying together on the couch we were both accepting calmly with love that we were growing apart And we didn't want that to happen and we didn't want the relationship to end, but there was this kind of disconnect. And in November, right around your birthday, is when we had, I guess what I will call the final moment of reckoning. Yeah, absolutely. We had been spending time being with one another, asking for the opportunity to change our life and build a new life with love and the universe gave us that it did not come in the form that we had expected and this was where kind of the peak of my addiction um, was brought to light many things that i was denying about myself 
many of the behaviors and um, truths about my sexual addiction and my using of masturbation and pornography to escape uncomfortable feelings in all forms, whether that was stress or grief or anger, whatever it may be, that was what I used to escape that. And so right around my birthday, we were sitting in our living room and we picked up my phone to look up on something on Instagram. And that was the reveal of my secret Instagram that I had to look at Instagram models, message other people for validation uh, when I was feeling insecure in our relationship. And this was also the peak of my escapism with the person that kind of entered our sphere in our ethical non-monogamy journey where I was taking many much of my attention away from my relationship and putting it on this connection because it made me feel better and allowed me to escape the uncomfortable reality that I was avoiding in our relationship. And just to kind of give insight at this point, we've been together a little over six years and I found out in pretty much the matter of a two-week time span that you were a sex addict, that our entire six and a half year relationship, you had a secret Instagram I didn't know about, even when I'd found out about other times that these behaviors were happening or infidelity was happening, I didn't ever know about the Instagram. And, you know, pretty much every boundary that we had in our relationship physically and and emotionally had been violated at this point. You were, you know, deleting text messages and just doing a lot of of, of really unhealthy and hurtful things. And so that night when I found out about the Instagram, it actually destroyed me. And that moment was my moment. That was my final moment of suffering. And that catapulted my spiritual journey. And in that moment, you know, I was just sad and destroyed. You could see the destruction come across my face of realizing our entire relationship had had so many lies and that I genuinely believed for four years that this issue with dishonesty and talking to other women and porn and masturbation and and these really like harmful behaviors weren't happening anymore had been happening the entire time. And this is when a lot of really big dishonesties came out. You know, I found out that the day that I, you know, took my father off life support, you were messaging other women outside of our boundaries. And so it was just the ultimate final breaking moment. And we separated. I I terminated our relationship and I asked you to leave the house and you were out of the house off and on for about a month, you know, for different varying lengths of time. And that kind of just was the start of separating these identities and really working on ourselves it was the start of you know for me it was the start of really looking at my spiritual journey and the way that I engaged in this relationship and how I had gotten so deeply distorted in my energy and so unhealthy and unloving and out of the light that I was you know able to engage in a physical way which had not been a part of you know my life story for 28 plus years and how did I you know allow myself to get into these places of 
regardless of what you had done treating you horribly and how was I also like responsible for what was happening yeah and my journey that same night you know watching that shattering of your heart and the pain come across your face that was something that I couldn't escape from that was something that I sat there and I watched and looking back I'm grateful for because it was and continues to be that moment that I hold where it forces me to hold myself accountable and the duality of that was also honoring the truth that I had been denying in myself that the actions that you were doing and the the reactions that you were having to my actions were deeply affecting me and so we found ourselves stuck in kind of this back and forth pattern and the separation allowed us to take space and time away from that to look within you've already kind of touched on what your journey was through that for me what that looked like was sitting with the reality of okay maybe i am a sex addict i hadn't even talked about that label or that idea up until that point and watching the sheer destruction that my behaviors that up until that time I believed in my soul was normal and okay kind of the veil came crashing down and saying okay this is something that needs to be addressed and worked on sex addiction is very often misunderstood and really what that term encompasses is an unhealthy relationship with intimacy love and sexual behavior What that looked like for me was using masturbation as one would use any other tool of their addiction to escape uncomfortable situations when I was stressed, when I was angry, when I felt shame. That was my comfort. Masturbation two to five times a day to the point where I was causing myself physical harm or being triggered in a public place and having to feeling like I'm having to run to the bathroom to go do that and get that release so that I can feel better. It looked like unhealthy sexual behaviors of, you know, looking for intimacy outside of my relationship because I wasn't willing to face being vulnerable and being in those uncomfortable situations in my own relationship of saying, hey, you know, this is a challenging situation. See me and let me see you so that we can move through this. Instead, it was, let me, as soon as things got difficult, let me turn and run and look for something that's going to fulfill my needs versus cultivating a meaningful relationship with someone. And so hand in hand with sex addiction comes uh, intimacy avoidance and, and typically an inability to be seen and that shows up with shame for me shame was a has been a very big part of my journey because it reinforced my patterns of addiction the more i acted out the more shame i had and it wasn't until i started to love myself enough to change and realize that it's okay it's okay that this is where we're at meeting myself there and loving myself enough to remember that I am capable of more. And kind of getting back to our relationship and really the core wound for us was the unhealthy relationship that I had in our ethical non-monogamy journey and how I neglected you 
by escaping into that because that was kind of at the peak of our fighting it was kind of at the peak of my addiction and the dishonesty everything that came along with it yeah it was a really challenging time and for me I just completely chose the reality and felt the experience and believed in in my reality that you didn't love me and that you were just cheating on me and lying to me and you know neglecting me and then when we would have these you know really unhealthy and toxic fights violating my boundaries and violating you know my space my safe word my repeated sometimes upwards of four or five six hours requests for you to give me space you would follow me you know and prevent me from leaving the house and so a lot of those things just build and build over time and something that I've really had to work through is you know in the intro we use the words reactive violence because that is not who I am and that is not how I behave in the first six years of our relationships that is not how I've behaved in previous relationships and to kind of see yourself like lose yourself in that and you know it's so hard to talk about because you know physical violence is obviously like never okay and it was something that you know isn't who I am and wasn't who I was and so this just constant pattern of me trying to you know call you out on your lies and catch you in these things and you denying and gaslighting and then you know it just breeds both of us having these narcissistic egos and it just breeds so much toxicity on both sides you know that poor choices were made on both sides and I've really just had to kind of work through who I became in those dark days And as always, I know that those dark days don't define us. You are not those behaviors. I am not those behaviors. Our core love is unchanged by those behaviors. And we work every day as hard as we can this year to be the best versions of ourselves and to choose love and God and forgiveness and spirituality. And again, it's not linear. Going into 2023 and, you know, we're separated and you're finally addressing your addiction. I'm finally addressing my anger. You're addressing your shame. You know, I'm addressing my unhealthy patterns. And we go on this, you know, trip to start the year. And that's where we'll pick up next week because this was the turning point for us. And this last nine eight or nine months of our relationship has been the best it's ever been and we are both conscious and working on ourselves and have made our conscious relationship this new relationship and our growth and all of those things our primary focus and it's been a beautiful year we've experienced a lot of beautiful life and we can't wait to share that with you next week on the third and final introduction episode